Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. Today, Craig and I are super pumped to have one of our, our uh, dental rock star heroes on, Michael Appa. And um, everyone has kind of heard your name, Mike. If, you're, if you've been on social media as a dentist, you know that he is doing it right, doing it well for the profession, has probably the most followers I've ever seen from a dentist perspective. Um, Mike travels between New York and Dubai on a regular basis about 20 times a year from what my research could tell, Mike. Is that about, about accurate? Yeah, every two to three weeks. Okay. So going between internationally, obviously, from and he's a cosmetic, focuses on cosmetic dentistry um, and the founder of Appa Beauty, right? The, the dental line, um, sorry, the beauty line products. Yes. Focusing on dentistry, though, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Call it oral cosmetics. World cosmetics? Oral. Oral cosmetics. Got it. Um, that's it. That's all we got, man. I, you have a, a, obviously a list of accolades and I could sit here and read your bio, but uh, the cool dude. And like I said, or before I hit record, we've, we've both, Craig and I have both been following you from afar, cheering you on from the sidelines and you've been doing great things for our profession, bringing great awareness, um, really teaching a lot of us how to do social media the right way. Yeah. And um, yeah, Craig, anything to add on that before we jump into it? Yeah, I, I just think, Mike. I think you're you're actually just good for dentistry. You're a, you're a you're a great, um, you know, uh, validation for what we do. Your results are phenomenal. You take cases that um, are so minuscule in the amount of improvement that you can actually get. You you take them on and you deliver consistently. Your ceramics, your commitment to the profession is is amazing, and I commend you for it. And thank you for what you do. It's yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And just, and too, just the, the workflow, like I told Mike, Craig, that the coachman had referenced how much he works and just has a passion for the game. And just, he's like, man, I couldn't grind it out the way, the way Mike does. And so we had to have you on. So I want to dive into some of that a little yeah. bit and get into kind of like how you do so much of what you do. Yeah. What kind of inspired that? Who's, you know, let's, let's, let's get into it. So, uh, you're from New York, right? From New York. Okay. All right. So you've got a practice with Larry Rosenthal, who's uh, another legend himself. Yeah. Larry's a good dude. Um, yeah. So tell us kind of the genesis of how all this happened, Mike. Yeah. Um, so I got out of school and I really researched Larry out because he really fit the mold of, of how I wanted to practice dentistry. And um, what's interesting when you talk about workflow, when I first got into his practice right out of school, it was mind blowing because he was the, I mean, I visited plenty of practices and saw a lot of the kind of big names in cosmetic dentistry. And he was really the only guy who's, I could walk into his office and see his schedule. He had a prep book every single morning for months out and either a prep or an insert every single afternoon for months out. And, and to me that showed like, this guy's really doing it, you know, mm -hmm. And we'll talk about social media in a little bit and we'll get into that. But, you know, for people that want to know the small details, what bonding agent do you use? What cement do you use? What ceramics do you use? What types of ceramic do you use? It's really, in my opinion, best answered by somebody who is truly doing it every day, right? Because, you know, as we all know, 
you really get your best education from, from doing it. Um, and you know, you need a solid background. You need to continually do uh, continuing education and things like that. But at the end of the day, you're going to find what works and what doesn't. Um, and so I saw his workflow and I saw how he approached cases for years. And when I, I started going to Dubai in 2007 and when I was going, I, I was working for a week. And the way that we would work the schedule was that I would go for the first three days, I would book all the cases prior to going. So I would do it all over Skype. Um, we would get retainers wired to us. So we would have, you know, a solid eight to 10 cases that we would have to do in three days. And when we'd go into it, we would have no x-rays, no models. You know, we had never seen the patient before. Mm. And I would bring my assistant, um, which was critical because she's like another two hands to me um, that, are, that are my own. And so we just had to figure out a way to crank out two to three very complicated cases. You never know what you're going to find if people need root canals or extractions or whatever. You had to figure out a way to deliver a product that was really high quality because we were charging a lot of money that worked, um, that we knew would last, uh, that people really appreciated and that looked right. And so when we would go and do those cases, you had to be able to make decisions on the spot as to occlusion, what teeth needed to go or stay, how you were going to, uh, sequence cases. And I was you know, I didn't live there. Um, and I didn't have an office there with staff that were going to take care of things for me. So you're really, you gotta really weed out the shit and really figure out exactly how to get the job done because these are very demanding patients. You know, these aren't people that are like, ah, you know, come back and we'll get to it or whatever. You, you had to be definitive. And so the, on the other hand, it taught me so much to, to really figure out that workflow because it taught me how to do dentistry at a very high level, at a very rapid pace. Um, and so what would happen is we would go there for three days. We would prep, you know, I remember one trip, we did 160 teeth in three days and it wasn't veneers. And the other interesting part about social media is you see a lot of veneer cases because I'm showing what I feel the general public wants to see. It's too hard on social media to show before and after of a complicated sequenced uh, crown and bridge implant, whatever supported case to where people will understand it. And it's not ever going to look as good as a veneer case because you're not going to have tissue or whatever. Right. So when we would go in there, we had to, learn how to mock up uh, accurately, right? So it, it, uh, it negated wax ups for us. And what it taught me was when I would mock up in somebody's mouth, it would show me the entire case before I started it. So I would know the occlusion, I would know how to prep, I would know, I would know everything before I started. And it took longer in the beginning, but much it, became, it made me become much more accurate and fast after the fact. Um, so for instance, that, that trip, the 160 teeth, we would prep for three days. I would send an assistant from Dubai with all the cases back to New York. And the lab in New York that I worked with would literally close down and they would stay overnight for three days 
you know, the cases would land on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning and they would work Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday morning, the ceramists would get on a plane and fly to Dubai. It was a 10 o'clock flight. It got him in Dubai Friday morning at eight o'clock in the morning. He would come straight to the clinic on Friday with 160 teeth and we would insert Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then go home. And now everything had to work. So think about, <laughs> which is why it's so difficult to answer questions sometimes, but think about shade. Think about if it followed the, t you know, I'll get into the temporaries as well, but if people were satisfied with the aesthetics, if the occlusion was right, I mean, how many times do you get stuff back from the lab where it's not what you wanted? So what we figured out how to do was really get everything worked out in the temporaries and it became my most important part of every case to be able to show it to a patient, have them really sign off on it, and then train the lab to just duplicate whatever was in the temporaries. And now I've worked with ceramists you know, from all over the world, oral design guys, top guys from all over the world, and the hardest thing that they to train them to do is to truly copy what I'm giving them. Yep. Right. So, and the hardest thing for me is to explain why it's not the way that I set the case up, which is why I can only work with very few ceramists that I've worked with for a long time, because it's a rhythm you get into where mm -hmm. I don't talk to my ceramists at all. I just give them my temporaries. I give mm -hmm. them my temporaries. I give him my set of photographs. He knows exactly what to do. He knows the style and then it comes back the way that it's supposed to. And what I've found with a lot of other guys is they want to create themselves. And when they create, and then you have to go deliver it for a patient, you find yourself explaining why it is the way it is and not the way that it, you said it was going to be. Um, so that trained me in so many different ways. It trained me in occlusion, it trained me in preparation. I saw when I underprepared or overprepared because I really started to see the restorations going into the mouth before I started any case. And I think that is how it propelled me into being so fast. So now, you know, I'm so fast that, or we're so fast, our team is like, it's like, it's really, it's like a symphony. When we get down to working, there is no wasted movement between my hands and my assistant's hands. There's no wasted, we don't speak, the music's on loud, there, there's no conversation. It's just we know exactly what the other person has to do. And we can do, you know, we can do these really complex cases, upper, lower, whatever, in, in two to three hours, um, one after another after another. I mean, we can do them in multiple rooms at the same time. Um, so it became, it became, you know, it's a high. You get done with something like that and you leave and you want to do more. You, oh, want, wow. you want to feel that again. You want the, you know, you, you just, you can never get enough of it. It's like a drug. It has, like to be, it has to be a drug because the level of output that you do is fucking crazy. I mean that with all due respect. It's beautiful. I mean, Tom Brady, look at what he's doing. Look at the amount. I mean, in his free time, he's watching videos and watching videos. It's, a, it's his, his whole mode for being. So obviously the output that you do, there has to be this driving passion that, yeah. is, that is sustained by some amazing calling. I, I, that's what I was most interested. I mean, I see your work. It's 
absolutely beautiful. Anybody that's in New York, I send to you. Um, I don't know of anybody else that I admire their work so much, but the volume of work that you put out is just staggering. So yeah. if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind just diving into that. What What is it that that's fueling you to do this? I mean, don't people around you, I mean, even Christian said like, um, you know, it's like, I can't believe how much he works. Like he should just go to the beach a little bit. And I follow you on Instagram and I remember you were on the beach and you like posted like with a champagne glass. This is really cool, but I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah. So get into that for me because I want to know what drives your psychology to have you do this. Well, look, number one, the work itself is really um, rewarding. You know, mm-hmm. on a very small level to do one of these, one of these patients and to have that reaction, it's very rewarding. But when you do so much, it almost gets into um, your, your amassing, uh, in, my, in, in my circle, right? You're amassing an audience of people who can bring so much to your life. So the, the people that we work with and the relationships that I create in that chair are some of the world leaders that I would never, in any other industry, I would never get a chance to sit and have an intimate three hours with, honestly, I mean, I didn't do Tom Brady's teeth, but people like Tom Brady. I mean, people yeah. like that are coming in, you know, they're paying a lot of money, they're flying, you know, my practice in New York and Dubai, they both have very small populations that actually live in New York or Dubai. They're flying from somewhere around the world because they know that I can do it fast, uh, fit into their lifestyle and good and clean and, and it works. So what happens is inherently you run out of patience. No matter how popular you are, like I said, we can just, do, you know, I can do four in a day. And I can do it every day. I could do it seven days a week. And sometimes when I'm going to Dubai, I'm really working. I mean, there's, there's stretches in a year where I'm working 30 to 45 days consecutively, right? No weekends. So I'm really churning out a lot of dentistry and you run out. So you, you constantly have to feed the animal. And then it gets into, you know, you mentioned Tom Brady. He... He says, you know, you ask him what's his favorite Super Bowl, and he'll tell you the next one, right? He's got five Super Bowls under his belt. And most guys that lost a Super Bowl and threw for over 500 yards and already have five rings would be pretty content. But trust me, he's at home fucking burning right yeah. now. Yeah. Burning because for he's sure. at six. And if he did, the only thing he'd be thinking about is getting back to practice to get the seventh. And that is exactly how my mind works. I can never get enough. I go to Dubai, for instance, and my, my office managers, you know, I, I terrorize these people that work with me. I terrorize them in a good way to let them know that like, they'll always say like, well, last year we did X, you know, they'll know I'll give numbers out to my main staff people because I want to show them like benchmarks and, and goals and things like that we set. Yeah. And they'll say like, last year we were up 25% and this year we're, you know, we're, we're ahead of that. And I say, well, this year we should be up double what we were up last year. Or, you know, we did this amount, this trip, we saw this many patients this trip. Aren't you happy? Yes, I am. You're doing an amazing job, but we can do more. I'm sitting here right now and I'm not prepping a case 
and I could be prepping a case. And it's, it's amazing because every one that you do is some like unbelievable person that you're, you're, you're really inviting into your life and they're inviting, you know, they're inviting you into theirs. And, um, it's a drug. I mean, it just, it'll never end. You know, people ask me all the time, like, don't you want to retire soon? And all this other, I couldn't imagine not doing this. I mean, retirement, they say is actually not good for you. You know, when, when people retire, they tend to get more sick, morbidity goes up. I mean, you can literally golf yourself to death. So I'm not saying about retirement, but it's just an interesting thing that, that drives you. I, I just love, I love the psychology behind it. And, and like you, I have amazing people that have been brought into my life too. I mean, Tony Robbins is a patient. I'm a huge Tony Robbins buff. And I say that because he, he makes that public. And dentistry was the vehicle that provided me with access to people like this. Exactly. So I, I, I empathize with that. And I, I, I'm feeling you with that. I just, I just can't, I mean, at the end of the day, you have people that are probably upset or not happy, unrealized unrealized expectations. It just happens. Even yeah. if it's a quarter of 1% at your volume, there's a good crew of them. I mean, doesn't that kind of kick your ass a little bit? I mean, um, you know, what's funny is like that time that I put that post out, we were at the beach for nine days. Now, when my, when I, the problem is it's, I don't know if it's good or bad. It is what it is, but I am going at such a pace that when I don't have it right now, my body goes into complete shutdown. So waking up in the morning, knowing that I'm going to work really puts adrenaline. It makes me feel good. Like physically, mentally, I feel good. Going into work and doing one of these days, flying to Dubai and having one of these trips makes me feel good. I want to feel tired. If I don't have that feeling, it doesn't, I don't feel good. So when people talk about, oh, don't you want to stop and smell the rose and all those things? Well, I think the real question is, don't you want to do what makes you feel good? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you want to be doing what makes you feel best? If that's golfing, then you should golf. For me, it's not just doing the dentistry. It's the achievement and constantly pushing the bar a little further is what makes me feel. I wouldn't feel as good just sitting in New York having the practice that I have. It wouldn't make me feel good. It's why I did awesome. Dubai. That's awesome. And I'll do more offices. As soon as I have a handle on it and I know that I can do it, I want to push a little further. With more cities, you're meaning? Or, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And a microscopic version of that, you know, I'll, I'll work a smaller day on Friday sometimes and tell my wife if I'll come home for lunch. And so I won't eat lunch. And it's one o'clock, I'm going to come home anyway. And I'll find myself 6 p.m. not having lunch. Like, yeah. I love work too. And, you know, so it, I think it's cool that you, it's your hobby and your vocation and your fulfillment all built into one. I just, I was just curious what it is that's driving. But if, if your roses are at work, you're really stopping to smell them all the time because that's where you are. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you know, Craig, he, he's been, Craig has been <laughs> wanting to ask that question. Like, I got to find out what drives him in that. Cause it's just, it's just superhuman. Yeah. And, and the, the volume he's right. Like the volume of cases you do literally like I'm prepping two cases tomorrow too. So 26 teeth and I'm freaking out. I'm like, I can't do that all in one day, you know? And, and I, you you take, you know, I'm never ever going to be able to say how hard, hard of a worker I am again in context of, yeah, uh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I'm like freaking retired right now. 
so um, you and you chart you you chart course right, and that is you know I came in to Larry's practice. Now you knew you were talking before we started this. You knew Larry before right. when he was younger. He was the biggest thing in dentistry, and, yep. and really going into his practice and being a nothing, right, was my driving force. Yep. It was to overcome that. And then when I overcame it, it was him and everyone else telling me that I couldn't do Dubai. It just wasn't possible. How are you going to sustain this? That was my driving force. Yeah. And it'll keep being my driving force. As soon as somebody tells, like, I definitely am not going to sit here and tell you I don't have a chip on my shoulder because I do. Yeah. I have a chip on my shoulder, not in a bad way, not in a negative way. I actually invite it into my life for the people that I've come across in my personal and professional career that have told me that I'm not this, I can't do that. I, I, I thrive on that. And I I constantly want to prove to myself that we can, as a profession, we can do this. You're freaking out about two cases. You shouldn't, you can definitely do it. And then when other dentists come to me and they ask me these questions, like, on social media, the whole tone of social media is really not for dentists so much. It's for the general public. It's only for dentists to see what's possible in the profession. I think that in dentistry, we draw a very, very small box around what we think is possible in our profession. And with the product line and on QVC and going to Dubai and treating heads of state and being flown to palaces in the middle of the night privately, like, you can choose anything you want to do in this profession. It's actually one of the most amazing professions because it combines that aspect of my life with a very, like I'm a very technical, very detail oriented guy that loves to get into small spaces. In fact, it's when I'm most relaxed and it really combines and melds those two things of having a big personality, but being able to really focus and, and fine tune something. It's um, it's a pretty amazing profession we have. It is. It's awesome. Is this what you knew you wanted to do? You know, honestly, so you know, uh, the reason I'm asking is because I actually had kind of the same path, not the same trajectory as you, but I, I came up with Deborah King yeah, and, and I knew that that in Atlanta. And so I, I knew that that's where I wanted to work. Yeah. And when I came out of school, I had maybe like $3 to my name mm-hmm. and I wanted to work with her so badly because I knew that that's the type of dentistry that I wanted to do at that scale. And, and, creating those smiles. And I was like, I'll work for free for three months. Right. And if you don't love me, then, then ship me back out. Um, but so you learned a lot from, from Larry, you learned, you learned the methodology of, of really how to do it. And then you've kind of taken it to your level, which is, which has been cool in the Dubai. And I'm sure he's been a big, a big fan and advocate of, of your success. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we all have mentors and, and I think the interesting part is I came from upstate New York and my my scope of what life could be was very limited. And then you get in to start, you know, you dig in. And I met Larry and, and I, you know, I was introduced to his world. And I thought like, wow, you know, could I have a house in the Hamptons and have these types of friends and be doing these kinds of things in my life? And then you overcome it and, over, and surpass it. And then you meet different people. And the bubble keeps going bigger to where you start to realize, like, you know, I never traveled outside the United States before. I didn't have a passport until I was 28. 
I had never left the US. But then you get into Europe, you get in the Middle East, and I lectured all over the world, and I was in Asia and all these places, and you start to see how big the world is, but yet how small it is and how much of it you can really eat up. And that also fuels me. Like, I want to create the lifestyle that I want. Um, and, and this is a perfect vehicle to get me to where I want to go. Do it all. Do yeah. it all. That's and the cool. way you're talking, you're already there, which is cool. You know what I mean? I he, it's like it's like yeah, you want all this stuff, but you're actually living the dream right now, which is super cool, and you're fulfilled every day. It's awesome. Yeah. So, Mike, you you're kind of a beacon of hope, really. To, there's a lot of young dentists that I that Craig and I talked to. We actually just got back from a conference in Scottsdale talking to um, a group, and it was it a lot of dentists, young dentists that approached us and they were, they were giving us accolades for being kind of positive in a sea of, I don't know, dentistry's gotten a little bit uh, negative to a certain degree. Wouldn't you agree, Craig? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, there's a conversation that's going on that insurance is eating them alive and there's too much debt and they, they're, they're trapped by corporate. They're being sold a message of fear because there's a lot of consultants out there that want to sell this problem so that they can give them the solution. So they're, they're being fed, you know, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when I, um, so I, when I was in high school, I'll never forget. I learned about Larry and I was in a three, four program where I was supposed to go to Lemoyne college and then to university of Buffalo, which was a state school, which was $10,000 a year. I got into the program and realized that I wanted to work for Larry and I needed to go to NYU. And so I was going to drop out of the program, but I had created a relationship with this hometown dentist that I went back to. And I asked him, you know, do you think this is the right move for me? And he really, he took out a pen and paper and laid out my student loans, how much I would be making my first three years of of practice and what it would be like if I went to NYU and, and how I would live. And he basically showed me on a piece of paper that I wouldn't be able to afford rent if I dropped out of this program. And again, that was another like a point in my life where somebody was telling me that I couldn't do something that I saw a very clear path to being able to do. And, and, you know, the answer to those questions of all those guys is you really, it's so wide open and there's so many different paths to take in our profession that you just, you cannot listen to what is coming down the pipeline right now. Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. And that's kind of what we said is that, you know, it's, there's, there's still abundance in what we do. You just kind of have to, you have to go and create it and don't, don't get, don't listen to the narrative or don't get brainwashed because that might be the intention of why that negativity is coming out in the first place. So, um, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, we also say all the time, people are like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Dentistry is not a good ROI, the educational cost. It's like, listen, being married is not a good ROI because 55% lands in divorce. Having kids is not a good ROI. There's certain things that you have to pursue for your own fulfillment. The building I built, I mean, four or five banks rejected me. I built a 13,000 square foot building. Everybody thought it was fucking crazy. And at certain points, I'm like, I must be fucking crazy because I'm going to pull this off. And I just think that if you if you have that vision, you said you could see through it. So you could see what they couldn't see. And I think that's an important lesson for all the dentists. Dentistry is a snowflake. You can express your vision however you want. If you want to be the small town dentist, you can do that. 
if you want to be the Michael Apple of the world, the world's big enough for another one of you that, that wants to play at that level. And they're just being sold one version. And I think the takeaway from what you just said, at least for me, was don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. I was fueled by that as well. Certain people take it at face value and shut down. And other people like you just kind of sit up and say, bring it on. And, that's and cool. it fuels you for the next 10 years kind of thing, as opposed to like shutting you down. Yeah. Um, I, I think the problem with that too, is the, the people they're getting this from are the people that they, you know, when you're in dental school, you have your favorite professors, right? And you really listen to them and you really take what they're saying. And, and you think at that point in your life that these are going to be your mentors. And I look back and yeah, I'm not going to say that they aren't, but I am going to say that everyone, (laughs) your personal, your own personal growth and your, your scope of how you see yourself changes so rapidly from dental school to your thirties to your forties and on, you know, and on and on that you just have to be able to take what everyone is saying to you at any point in your life as you know not with a grain of salt but you listen to some of it you take it in and then you you have to be able to exhale it and really stay true to whatever it is that you you feel that you want to accomplish in your life so just who what type of education are you pursuing for the for this thought like the the you're you're not you're you're kind of touching on something that you're did do you have like a um I don't want to say like a life coach because that sounds really freaky, but almost like, are you reading books about personal development? Like, are you, do you like to read a lot of autobiographies and stuff like that? Or No, I, I listen to my patients. I mean, that has been my, uh, my best education. I mean, the people that I've come into contact with and really, you know, one of my associates in Dubai the other last week asked me, um, you know, I said, I said, listen, you've really got to continue to build a name for yourself, but you're not going to do it without contacting people, getting in touch with people, understanding how to use your connections and how to ask for things. And he said, well, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I need anything from anyone because I'm already here. And I said to him, like, listen, I, I didn't say it then, but I went home that night and I came back the next day and I said, look, today still. I, I play that role of need, you need it from everyone. People, you're a student. You're a perpetual student. A hundred percent. I'll never, when people ask me my advice, I'll give it to them. When I see somebody who's done something that I respect or want to know more about, I, I will sit with full attention and ask them a million questions because you know, even Larry's own journey, I've learned so much good and bad about what to do, what I didn't want to do, how to navigate around the problems that he's had. I've seen the trajectory of his life. Um, and I've made a lot of decisions on my own life based on how other people have gone through things in, in their lives. Um, and, and no, you know, whenever I read books, especially those types of not self-help books, but those, those types of books, I find them very, um, uh, simple. It's like common sense. Mm-hmm. I guess I just, you can't, I mean, you know, they say, you know, I, I used to read Malcolm Gladwell's books. It's like, 
he says one thing and then he says it over uh, 300 times in, in 300 pages. And I, and I got it the first time he said it. And it was never, you know, Tony Robbins is a guy, my, you know, my wife went through his entire program that I really wish that I had taken earlier. And I still want to, you know, take his, um, his seminars. I love, he's not a self-help guy. He's nice. just like a, he, it's different. He's more of an empowered, you know, guy. And he's not telling you kind of rules and lessons to, to live by and things like that. It's more about um, setting, you know, being very regimented in your life and, and, ex- and really expecting more of yourself. And that has always helped me more than any of those books. I've never really gotten much out of any of those books. Yeah, Tony's a force of nature. I mean, if you haven't gone, I'm uh, I'm encouraging Peter. Peter's going to be going to his first one in San, uh, San Jose. But I mean, I wish I had had that experience um, earlier in my life. I got introduced to it like at 43. I'm 46 now, but um, he's amazing. And it's not that bullshit of like rah, 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 feel good and jump around. I mean, although you do jump around a lot, yeah. um, it's real practical takeaway tools. If you go to one of them, as I'm sure you know, with your wife, um, and just implement implement half of what he tells you to do. Your life will never be the same again. Yeah. Uh, but Tony has a very famous quote. I love saying it. It says, you are rewarded in public for what you intensely practice for in private. Yeah. And you don't do what a person like you does without an extreme amount. There's a whole backside to it. Yeah. There's a massive, there's, there's a lot of... Um, hard work that goes in that magic. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge you for it. And I also acknowledge you just because I know we were on some text chain a little while ago with Coachman. And I love how transparent you were that there's no pretense. And a lot of people would think a person like you have you're, a lot, you'd be very ego driven and you're not, which is great. I mean, I know you have to have ego to do what you do, but it's an ego of service to the profession, to the patient. And that's what I think um, is the reason why you're so rewarded in life. It's really cool and an inspiration to me. So thanks for that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Mike, do you get, speaking of Tony Robbins, do you get primed? Like, do you have a, a morning routine at least? I know you don't, you know, you're not sitting there reading self-development, but do you have a routine that primes you for that day that's going to just, uh, you know, that mere mortals could not do? I have a routine in life, I would say. And, you know, something that, my wife did show me, she showed me like the, um, the, uh, the basically the entire book that she had to make when she was doing the whole Tony Robbins regimen. But, and it's very similar to what I do naturally. And and it's just, I'm extremely regimented. There's not many things that can disrupt my schedule. Like my work really, you know, my, I love my wife and I love my family and, and all that. But, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, very, I'm very strict and 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 i think you know you find in life people your friends and your loved ones will go along and will understand you as a person but yeah i'm in bed by 9 30 10 o'clock every night i'm up at five every morning no matter where i am i always have to get a certain amount of sleep i always have to get my workouts in i always need certain personal time but how I eat, how I work out, everything is super regimented. And, and and everything has to be a certain way in my life. I mean... Or else what? I mean, it throws me into a tailspin. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not very good at like... I'm not w- very good... Winging it kind of a day? Yeah. 
I'm not. I need like I, you know. You need structure, and that and that's where you thrive. Extreme. Well, let's just well your your life lends itself to outside forces. Your flight could be delayed. You could have. I mean, you 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 need structure and discipline, but your life rules are that you have to fly around the world a lot, and shit goes wrong, and there's plane issues and stuff. I'll give I mean, you for instance. It, you know. I have a driver in New York, which is not I have a driver in New York to say that I have a driver, but I have a driver. My wife gets it. Most married couples in New York where the husband has a driver, the wife uses the car most of the time. My wife barely ever asks to use the driver because she knows how important it is for me to have that time and have that structure. I have the same path to work. I go to the same Starbucks. I order the exact same thing every day. Everybody knows me. I spend a second in Starbucks getting my coffee because I don't like to talk to people in the morning. I have my headphones on. I, you know, it's all structured. And for my flights, you know, I used to fly Emirates and it was amazing, but I never flew coach. Not because I had money, because when I first went, I, I borrowed money from Larry to make my first trip. But I had to fly first. It was very important to me. Right. And it's super expensive. Yeah. But after doing it enough, I had the wherewithal to ask Emirates, like, I need a special service. I need a car picking me up. I need a direct line to Emirates to where when my flights are so they they basically there's something called invitation only to the airline where they have, uh, I think there's six U.S. members and there's 200 worldwide where the president invites you into this service where you can call JFK and there's somebody at Emirates on the ground, like we just had a massive snowstorm that will give me real updates and tell me when to come and, and when to stay home. So everything in my life, as as loose as it may seem, there's a lot of structure behind all of it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah very cool. cool. So Mike, where do you see the profession going? I know you're living, you know, it's the, the, the world you live in is, is a little bit different, but obviously you've observed where you think the profession is going. Do you have any, any indication? Well, I hope it's not going into these insurance-based practices. I hope so too, you know, and, 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 and we hear a lot of corporate and, you know, and all this stuff. And I think it's, uh, you know, we've already kind of talked about this, so I won't beat that down, but, um, I, I was, I was hoping that, you know, I agree with you. I hope it's not going, I hope it's going more of a value experience fee for service. And, and obviously insurance will exist, but St. Regis will always exist, right? Because just cause holiday Inn is holiday Inn is not taking over the world. The St. Regis and, and, and the experience will always exist. Disney will always be there kind of thing. So, um, Look, I think that there's always something new that's going to happen in dentistry. Now, you look back, I don't know where you guys went to dental school, but I went to a class, you know, NYU, where we had a class of 300. And when you look at the 300 guys that you graduated with, guys and girls, you kind of saw who was what type of person and what type of dentistry they really wanted to seek out, right? And so... I don't think that, you know, our part of dentistry, the dentistry that we practice is a very, very, very small percentage. Mm. Because most people don't want to put this much. Most people don't want to put the extra work into a podcast or to have a 15,000 square foot office or to have multiple offices. They just don't want to, they don't, they want it as a, they see it as a job, right? right. They're going to go in, they're going to work a certain amount of hours. They're going to make decent money. And they're going to live a fine life. 
we're definitely overachievers in the industry. What's amazing is that there'll always be room for us, right? The rest of dentistry is getting more digital, more corporate, more, and that's fine. And, you know, there's going to be a place for that. And it all depends upon, um, you know, what type of person you are and what kind of life you want to lead. And I think people that, you know, I just had this big lecture at NYU. I think people really create their own world because it's such a small business owner mentality when you become a dentist that you you kind of create your own environment and and that's who you're going to be. And by looking at my graduating class of 300, I know that I don't speak for the majority of dentists out there. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's true. But you're shaping it, which is great. I think all three of us are shaping it because when I got into dental school in 1998 in Tufts, this is before the extreme makeover show and the swan and all that stuff. And no one knew what a porcelain veneer was. I remember having to tell them it's like a, you know, a thin, like almost like an acrylic nail or piece of porcelain. No one even knew. And, and then, you know, people could see the reactions from the reality shows and what's possible. They got to see what we actually do. Dentistry in the mid nineties was just, you know, going to pull a tooth or whatever. Clean bill teeth. Bill. Yeah. People would always say like, Oh, do you clean teeth? They, they would have no idea what we do. And the fact that we can transform lives and it's so public now and the, uh, the fact that we can do it so quickly and without pain is just amazing. And now I'm so proud to say that I'm a dentist. I remember back then I'm a third generation dentist. So I knew I wanted to go to dental school, but I remember, you know, we were integrated with the medical side of Tufts and people were like, are you a doctor or a dentist? And I'd almost have some degree of shame saying, well, no, I'm a dentist. Yeah. You know, but now it's uh, thanks to what people like you are doing. It's actually, we can hold our now heads. You say, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll sleep in the hospital. Here's the interesting part. Um, as you travel around the world, you know, we live in the U.S. And as you travel around the world, you find um, that it's still like that in many different parts of the world, right? It's not as understood as it is here. And hmm. there's so much more to go. And, and the really interesting part is that the dentists that I come in contact with in the Middle East and even some in Europe and a lot in Asia, they're of the, you know, I don't want to say the mentality, but they're of the, um, what's the right word? Exposure that we were at in 98, 99, where yes, they know what veneers are. And yes, they know what smile makeovers are, but people don't for sure. Right. People, they look at my Instagram account and they come in the office, they say, oh, I want whitening like you did on your Instagram. You know, they don't understand that that's a very intricate, expensive process. So there's tons of education to do. There's tons of dentists to really train, you know, our way of thinking um, and to really create change uh, in the world, in our profession. And even if you don't want to go on your Instagram page, you can just go on the variety of dentists in the world that are reposting your pictures and claiming it as their own and they're, they're educating as well. It's really, Amazing. which I, I don't understand why you don't watermark the photos because it's just egregious. Um, it's like everything else. At first I should have, but now it's gotten to a point where I never liked it because I didn't like the aesthetic of the picture when it was watermarked. I never liked the way that it looked. I thought it took away from the actual photograph, but now it's just, I'm, I'm just going down with that ship. I'm never going to watermark my photos. 
I, I love when people repost my stuff and don't. And don't <laughs> well, get- you know what? No, it's great. In the last one, I, I can't remember who did it. I don't even want to give him any credit, but I went to check his page out and literally there was 30 comments or like, you fraud taking Dr. Appa's stuff. <laughs> so you don't even have to worry about it. You have a, 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 a bunch of soldiers out there guarding yeah. your intellectual property. So that's actually the best way to do it. That yeah. You could fly above the radar and let everybody else uh, bash on that guy for taking the stuff. Exactly. So Mike, that's actually, this is a good segue for what I kind of want to end on with you. And obviously you're a master at social media. And I think a lot of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of your, your, your fame and variety has come from social media and social influencers. And, and that's been, you know, you don't advertise. I was reading somewhere that you really don't advertise and, and you use the advocates, the influential advocates to help propel your practice, which I, I love that. I love that so much. And so can you talk about that a little bit and how that, how that clicked with you? Um, So here's what you have to remember. And here's what is tricky is that social media is new. It's like three or four years old, right? 2013 or 14, it came out and people in the industry, the, Let's call them the real dentists. Some of those guys that were on that chat with us, Craig, which is why I left. Um, they look at me like a social media dentist. Like I'm some guy that's just posting pictures, right? Interesting. You're and a they, marketer, right? You're yeah. not a real dentist. You're just a marketer. Businessman. I, I can't. T- yeah. Oh God, that just it just kills me. Business I am man. not. I am not a marketer or a businessman. I'm someone who understands, right? That to fuel my passion to actually do this dentistry, I have to reach the general public. It's the only way they come in. And so, you know, I came in in 2003 to Larry's practice and the only way to get patients of that quantity, again, you guys know how hard it is to get a prep. One prep, one person to say that they wanna spend 30 to $40,000 on their teeth, it's not easy to get one. Not to mention, you have to get them to notice you. Then you have to get them to call. Then that phone call has to be handled properly. Then they have to come into a consultation, actually show up to. And then you have to sell them, which is another disgusting word in industry. You have to sell them on the consultation and then book them and then get them appointments. And then you get to do your dentistry. And the dentistry to me has always been the easiest part. It's the time where I'm most relaxed. It's getting all of those pieces in a row to get them in the chair. And so when we talk about volume and things like that, I mean, you have to understand we're doing three preps a day, every day, almost seven days a week. When you, let's say five, five to six days a week consecutively, consistently between two countries to get that many amount of people interested in that service, you have to have a machine. Now, the way we used to do it before you know, social media, and I was very well known in my area, it was through PR agencies. You would have to go to, the, you'd have to, go to big magazines. And, then, and it used to bother me back then. Back then, people used to say, oh, he has a publicist. It's like, oh, really? So does everybody, I mean, everyone can have a publicist. The trick was how to, how to get your publicist to understand what you thought was interesting to convey in a beauty magazine. Like what is Vogue writing about dentistry for? 
Back then in 2003, if Vogue did a story, story on dentistry and you were named in it, you would see millions of dollars come in the door just because of that article. So it was all about figuring out how to relate to the general public. It's just, unfortunately, you know, print has died. And, and you know, that same <laughs> Vogue today does nothing. And so you, I've had to really take a shift and change and figure out like, all right, how are people getting their information today? I'll never forget 2010, I was sitting in a diner with my publicist and she was saying like digital dot coms and digital information is going to be the way of the future and magazines are going to die. And I said like, there's no way people are going to stop reading magazines. It's, oh, I always want to be in print. You know, Bill Dorfman, you mentioned uh, Extreme Makeover. I mean, he made a killing off of uh, Extreme Makeover. I mean, he was the guy. So we all had to figure out our way to reach the general public. It's just now, currently, and it's sad because it really doesn't warrant any real imagination to do social media. You just have to figure out how to gain followers. You need, you have to figure out how to put eyeballs on your account. And that is the trick. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to have great content for people to be interested and then, you know, actually pick up the phone. But so now it's a totally different game. So for instance, social media now, we used to do, when I used to do an article in let's say departures, which is the American express magazine, I had a big one come out in 2008. It was like a four page article full page picture of me with a very in-depth coverage of what I actually do. And it was different and it was new and it generated a lot of patients coming into the practice. And it was like when somebody would call from the departures article, they were pre-qualified to, to come into our office. Now with social media, I mean, we have 30 consults a day coming in through social media. And I would say, three are actually qualified to step into the office. So it's a lot of manpower to deal with all of the inquiries that come in through social media, but you know, three new patients a day that are qualified is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you get word of mouth through them and family members and, and all that stuff. Yeah. It's the amplification through the, yeah. Like you said, the influencers and like some of your patients, you know, I've had a couple of patients that have categorically changed, um, you know, like you're saying the inflow and, and it just takes a couple of the, you know, that notoriety from the, the massive influence they have to really take things up an entire notch. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's great. Mike, how do you get all your pictures to go in one row, by the way? <laughs> I need to know that hack. The most important thing. Yeah. Like how, how did, is it, I guess you just time it every third photo you posted before and after. Yeah. Okay. Got it. See, there's the pearl. Yeah, there's the he has an API plug into the back end of Instagram. They granted it to him as trial. Only date. him. Only, only him. him. So he can literally drag on the phone and move them around. But for you, you have to do it every third. I have to do it manually. It comes with the invite from Emirates. It's a whole package. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, what airline are you flying now, now? Now that no longer Emirates. What do you mean no longer Emirates? I thought you said I used to fly Emirates. Yeah. No, no, no. I still do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you know, a lot of competition in that market, I guess. So, Mike, in closing, do you do you have a, a goal? I know you said, I listened to what you were saying. It's all about the journey and, and it doesn't seem like you're saying, I want to get to X, Y, and Z and then I'm kind of done because there doesn't ever seem to be like a done line for you, which I like. 
And I'm learning that in life. I've always had kind of a finish line or in goal lines and stuff like that. I'm learning how unfulfilling that is becoming in my, in my age. Um, you know, having a little bit of wisdom now, do you have a goal or something that you just want to see, you know, accomplished in your, in your one ticket here on planet earth that you haven't done yet? I mean, yeah, but it's going to change if you ask me this next year, you know, because you achieve goals pretty quickly and that's what happens. You know, my goal was to buy Larry's practice and I did that three years ago. Um, and then my goal was to get something established in Dubai and I did that. And then my goal was to create the product line and I did that. So, you know, my goal is, um, I want to have these offices in different parts of the world. Uh, I love to travel, but I hate being a tourist. So I want to have these offices in parts of the world where I can have homes mm-hmm. stay for a long, like, I feel like I know, I mean, I've been going since 2010. I know Dubai very well. Like, I feel like, I'm, I, you know, I, it's, it's my second home. Mm-hmm. I would like to have that in LA and I would like to have that in London. So I could understand Europe much better. I could understand the Middle East. I could understand West Coast life, but, you know, and still live in New York. So the goal is to have these offices that, you know, it's my, that's my fun going to work and doing the cases and then being able to live in different parts of the world. That's cool. awesome. That is awesome. A true like world, you blend, world dentist. You blend the um, work goal with life goals, which is cool too. You know, like having an office in LA and a house in LA would be great, especially when it's snowing in New York. Exactly. More time in LA in the winter. That's awesome. Super exactly. cool. Cool, man, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're a busy man and obviously you're, you know, you've got a lot going on. So thanks for spending the time to talk with us tonight. I've, uh, I've, I'm inspired. I'm going to write down a few takeaways when we get off the line here, just the things I want to implement. And so, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. I really do. Thank you guys very much. It was cool. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks guys. Yep. All right, man. Well, everyone, thanks again for tuning in for another edition of Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.